If you would, take your Bible and open to Luke chapter 24. This is the point with the college class that I normally ask them how their reading plan is going. Uh, But I'm going to spare you all that tonight. There's too many of you to ask. But we are continuing to read through the New Testament as a church. I hope that you are reading with us. This week our window is Luke chapter 22 through John 2. And our passage tonight is going to be Luke chapter 24, 1 through 12. Before we read our passage, I want to talk about the things that led to the point where we're going to be at. At this point in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus has been arrested, tried, and crucified. Jesus was betrayed by Judas and was arrested by the temple police. Jesus then went on trial before the council, which was not a true trial. It was a mockery. But they condemn him, and they take him to Pilate. And Pilate says, I find no guilt in this man. And then they send him to Herod. Um, Herod and his soldiers mock Jesus, and they make fun of him. But he also finds no guilt in him, and he sends him back to Pilate. And Pilate wants to release Jesus, but the crowd and the Jews cry out, For Jesus to be crucified. So Pilate sends Jesus to be crucified. And on the cross, Jesus dies. After the crucifixion, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for Jesus' body. He takes the body down off the cross... He wraps it in linen, and he puts him in a new tomb cut in stone. Joseph was a member of the Sanhedrin, who did not consent to the actions taken against Jesus. He was a disciple of Jesus, secretly, because of the Jews. John tells us in his gospel that Nicodemus actually came and helped Joseph, take Jesus' body and prepare him for burial. There's also a group of women. These women were from Galilee, and they had been following Jesus. They saw how Jesus was laid, how his body was laid, and then they went to prepare spices and ointments to anoint his body. These women saw where and how Jesus' body was laid. And because this was Good Friday, before the, the Sabbath, they were not able to do what they considered a proper burial. So these women leave the tomb and they go back to prepare spices so that they could come back after the Sabbath and finish what was started. So that's what's happened up to this point where we're at in our passage. So that brings us to the big idea. The big idea is this. Jesus is 
alive. It's pretty simple and straightforward. Jesus is alive. So if you would, take your Bible, and we're going to read our passage, Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and all the rest. That was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. That's the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we stop tonight to just praise you for who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, we are so thankful for your word. And as we think about your word tonight, as we think through it, I pray that you would give us understanding and that your word would change our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I am a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. So years ago, Allison and I went to a Cowboys game together, along with her brother and one of his friends. Um, I can tell you how long ago it was, actually, because Allison was pregnant with Bailey at the time. She was actually five months pregnant. Uh, We went to uh, see the Cowboys play the Carolina Panthers. It was in the old Texas Stadium. This is a picture of, of old Texas Stadium. And actually... This picture was taken, this is not my picture, I found this on the internet, but this is pretty close to where we were sitting. This would have been kind of our view of the field. Um, So we were so excited to go to a Cowboys game, right? You spend the money on tickets and you, you get pumped up to go watch your team. And then you go and they're terrible. They were terrible this day. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't move the ball. They couldn't do anything. So with about five minutes left in the fourth quarter, the Panthers get the ball, and they kick a field goal to go up 13 to nothing. It's at this point that we decide, maybe we should get out of here and beat the traffic. So that's what we do. 
We decide to go beat the traffic and leave early. And as we're heading out, Allison has to stop and go to the bathroom. Did I mention she was pregnant? So she goes in the bathroom, and as she's coming out, we hear the crowd just erupt in a roar. So we turn and we run back up the ramp, just in time to get into the tunnel, and we see Joey Galloway going down the sideline for an 80-yard touchdown. They haven't done anything all day, and when we decide to leave, they score a touchdown. So we went back to our seats. And amazingly, Dallas's defense stopped them, and they got the ball back. And Dallas drove all the way down the field and scored another touchdown. Dallas ended up winning that game 14-13. to 13. And we got to see all of it because my wife was pregnant. <laughs> because she had to go to the bathroom. If she hadn't had to go to the bathroom, we'd have already been in the parking lot and we'd have missed the whole thing. We were about to walk out on a team that seemed finished, a game that was done. But we ended up witnessing a great comeback, a victory that seemed like a certain defeat. This group of women that we read about in this passage got to witness the greatest comeback ever. The greatest victory in the universe. Jesus' victory over sin and death. So these women were not coming to the tomb expecting for it to be empty. They weren't expecting to show up and be the first witnesses to the resurrection. They were coming to finish what had been started on Friday. That's why they're carrying all their spices with them. They show up to the tomb, and the stone is rolled away. And they go in, and they can't find Jesus' body. Luke tells us that they were perplexed. They were confused. They had no idea what's going on. Where is Jesus? And suddenly, two men appear next to them. And the women are frightened by this. They immediately bow their faces. And these angels speak to them. The angels ask the women a question. Look in your Bible at verse 5. The angel asks, Why do you seek the living among the dead? This is one of my favorite questions. It's one of my favorite verses in all the scripture. Why do you seek the living among the dead? The funny thing is, is these women were not looking for someone who was alive. They were looking for a dead body. Yet the angel asked, why do you seek the living among the dead? They were looking for Jesus. And if you continue in verse 5, the angel says this to them. He is not here. He, but he but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered 
into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And then they remembered. And when they remembered, they left the tomb. And they go back to tell the apostles and the other disciples what they saw and what they heard. And when they get back to the apostles, they tell this story and the apostles don't believe them. They think these women have lost their minds. They're crazy. This is a crazy tale. But have you stopped to think about it? Have you thought about this story? This story is so familiar to us that sometimes we just kind of seem to gloss over it and not think about it. But when you think about this, the fact that we follow a man who was raised from the dead. Not resuscitated. Not like he was halfway dead and they brought him back to life. He was dead and he was resurrected. Now this isn't a myth. It's not a fable. It's not a story. It is a true fact 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. That's why we're here tonight. We're here tonight because Jesus was resurrected from the dead. It's why we come here every Sunday morning. We come here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. So the question that we want to try and answer tonight as we think about this is... Why is the resurrection important? First answer is this. The resurrection proves that we can trust God's word. We can trust God's word because he keeps his word. Jesus' death and resurrection were fulfillment of prophecy. Not only did Jesus himself predict his own death and resurrection, but you can go back in the Old Testament and read stories about the Christ who would die and be resurrected. You can go back and read Isaiah 53. about the suffering servant and about how he would die and about how he would be resurrected. If you keep reading in, in chapter 24, I know Landon's going to preach on uh, this on Sunday, but if you keep reading in Luke 24, Jesus tells his disciples how the law and the prophets we're all pointing to him. In Luke 24, verse 27, we read this. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. He says a little bit later to a different set of disciples. He said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that 
everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. The law and the prophets all pointed to Jesus. God told his people that he was going to send a savior, and he did. He sent Jesus. Therefore, because these prophecies were all fulfilled in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we can trust the word of God. Second, the resurrection proves that Jesus' life and death were acceptable to God. Paul says in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 4, verse 25, Paul says that Jesus was raised for our justification. Paul saying that Jesus was raised so that we could be justified. Or that we could be made right before God. So the resurrection proves that Jesus lived a perfectly righteous, sinless life. He was sinless, and his sacrifice was accepted by God for payment of sin. It was suitable to turn away God's wrath. Let me put it this way. The fact that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead showed that he accepted Jesus' suffering and death as full payment for sin. And those of us who believe in Jesus get to experience this as well. We get to experience God's favor instead of God's wrath. Because we are united with Christ in his death and in his resurrection, we are justified. This also ties into my third point. Third point is this. The resurrection proves Jesus has authority over sin and death. The Bible tells us that sin entered the world through one man, Adam. And all of us who have come after Adam have this sin nature. We're all sinners. Right? Romans 3.23, for all have fallen short, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And our sin has consequences. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Death is the consequence of sin. Every single one of us has this problem. We're all sinners, and we all deserve death. Jesus didn't deserve death. He was perfect. He lived a sinless, perfect life. He died because of our sin. 
Jesus was a result, Jesus' death was a result of our sin, not his own. Peter talks about Jesus' resurrection at, uh, at Pentecost. And this is what Peter says in his sermon at Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, verse 24, God raised him, as Jesus, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. This is something that I, that I don't think I fully understood. Death had no claim over Jesus. Because he lived a sinless, perfect life, he didn't deserve the consequence of sin. I mean, the consequence of death. Death could not hold him. It had no power over him. Therefore, he had to be raised from the dead. If he wasn't raised from the dead, that meant that he was a sinner and not a savior. But because he was raised from the dead, it proves that he lived a sinless life. The good news in, in this too is not only did sin, death have no power over him anymore, it took away the power of death over his followers. People that believe in Jesus no longer fear death. It has no power over those who follow Jesus. We no longer fear it because death has lost its sting. We will die, but we know that's not the end. That brings us to the last point, lastly. The resurrection is the foundation of our hope for our own resurrection. And when I use the word hope here, I mean it in the biblical sense of the word hope, not in the way that we use the word hope today. I don't mean that it's a longing or a wish, something that we wish for or that we long for. What I mean is it's an assurance. It's going to happen. That is our hope. Paul says this about the resurrection in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. But in fact... Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Jesus is the first fruits of the dead. So this term, first fruits, it's a, a term that's used in agriculture. It's the first fruits from the harvest. It's what's taken very first. It's the first pick. And there will be more to follow after it. And in the same way, 
whatever you get in the first fruits, the rest of it will be the same kind. If you have a pear tree and you go pick a pear, the first of the harvest, when you go back to harvest the rest of the tree, you don't get oranges. You get pears. Jesus is the first fruits. He was the first to be resurrected, and many more will follow him. Many more will follow him. Because Christ was raised from the dead, we too will be raised from the dead. Look what Paul says about this in Romans chapter 6, verse 5. For if we have been united with him in his death, in, in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. One of these days, this body will die. I will be put in a grave in the earth and separated from my spirit. But our bodies won't stay in the grave forever. On that last day, our spirits will be reunited with our bodies, perfected bodies, with no more disease, no more pain. We will be glorified like Jesus is glorified now. That's our hope. We look forward to that day. The day that, when we, re the day that we receive our resurrected bodies. So the resurrection is important. But what do we do with all this? What do we do with Jesus rising from the dead? How do we apply this to our lives? I think we can learn some things from Jesus' followers in this story. The people that were following him. So the first thing that we can uh, apply to our lives is this. We must remember Jesus' words and promises. These women, when they show up to the tomb, like I said before, were expecting to finish the burial process. These are devoted followers of Jesus. If you read through uh, Luke, when you're talking about these women, they were there and they witnessed what happened on the cross. They were there when Jesus died. They were there when Jesus was buried. And now they've come back to his tomb to finish the process. But they find no body. Jesus is not there. And then they get rebuked by the angel. So I'll read this again. Because we must remember what Jesus said. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. 
Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. So here's a list of the six times in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus predicts his death, either directly, either he directly says, I'm going to be killed, or in some of them he implies that he's going to die. Now, I've marked two of them in red. The first one, Luke 9, 22, and the last one, Luke 18, 32, and 33. In both of those, when Jesus tells them that he must suffer many things and that he must die, he also throws on at the end that on the third day he would rise. Now, in all these passages, when you read them, Jesus is talking directly to the disciples. But we can understand from when we read this story that these women must have heard Jesus say this because of the way the angel responds to them. Because the angel says to them, don't you remember what he told you when you were in Galilee? So we must remember. We remember what he told us. The apostles didn't remember it. Because when these women go back to tell the apostles that Jesus is not in the tomb, they don't believe them. They don't remember what Jesus told them. But something in Peter clicks. He's the only one that it says, when he heard this, he turned and he went to the tomb. Luke doesn't tell us what it is, but Peter remembered something. Something in his brain clicked with what Jesus had told him. Peter runs to the tomb to see for himself. And when he sees that Jesus isn't there, he says he goes home marveling. We must remember everything that Jesus told us to do. Jesus told us to repent and believe. Jesus told us that we are to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, strength, with everything that you have, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus told us to make disciples. But he also gave us promises. And one of those promises he gave us was that he would be with us through all of it. So we must remember what Jesus tells us. Remember his words and his promises. And that leads into the second point. Second point is this. We must tell others about Jesus. After these women are reminded by the angels of what Jesus had told them, it says they remembered. And when they remembered, it caused them to do something. These women immediately 
when they remembered, they left and they went to tell people about what they'd witnessed. They go to the apostles and they say, the tomb's empty. This is exactly what we must do. Every single one of us, if you're a believer, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, every single believer has had an encounter with the risen Christ. You have met him. We have something to tell people. These women leave the tomb with joy. We should tell people about the joy that we have. We must tell people about Jesus. We must tell people about who he is, what he's done, the forgiveness that he provides, the peace that he can bring. We should be like these women who go and tell people about everything they've seen. So this is the the resurrection. Jesus was raised from the dead. It's a fact. And we must remember his words to us. What to do, how to live, and we must tell other people about it. Let's pray.